You're listening to the New Mamas Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the New Mamas Podcast. This is Lena Forstel, and I'm on with Katie Tripp. Katie was actually on the podcast. Oh my God, I don't know. A year? No. How how long? Almost a year. Not no, quite. stop it. Yeah. It's gone by so fast. But we were I know. um our first episode, and I'll link it in the show notes so you can learn more. Um, she has a blended family right now. And actually our first episode together was with her. What do you call it? What's the relation to you? Like step you're the step. Yeah. She's my stepkids bio mom. She's your stepkids bio mom. So Katie inherited four kiddos going from zero (laughs) to four, which is, uh, which was an experience to say the least. (laughs) Yes, crazy. <laughs> but a super fun and enlightening episode, just like how that how she made that transition with her boyfriend part fiance part to what <laughs> what do you get? He doesn't get credit. He does not what get credit get until he gets done on one day. That I okay. Call him, exactly. I call him my partner. Yeah. Because like I saw something the other day. I actually sent it to him on TikTok and it was something about like the difference between a partner and a boyfriend. And it's like, I can't remember the exact wording of it, but it was like, basically, it's just like a level up. He's my person. I know he's my person. He hasn't asked me yet. And whatever he's going to on his own time, his family, I think is rushing him more than I am. And like, I'm not in any big hurry to like, actually get married, married, I guess. I mean, I would like if he was like, let's go to the courthouse tomorrow, I would totally do it. But at the same time, like what we have is working. And yeah. So, but yeah, he's my partner. Because so, you were married before. Yes, that was, I was. Yeah, yeah he, I was he, married before. Yes, you've had that experience of being married and you know how magical it can be, but also how devastating it can also be when things are <laughs> unmagical. Yeah. Unmagical <laughs> and unmagical. So, yeah. So, partner makes sense because I know boyfriend feels so juvenile almost like my high school boyfriend. Let's meet under the bleachers and make out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you guys so live like, together and like you're a yes. stepmom. And yeah. I'm, I'm a stepmom in every sense except legally legally uh-huh yeah so but yeah uh it was a crazy whirlwind if you want to hear more about that part you can go listen to the episode with me and Abby but uh ever since then just uh still adjusting to stepmom life and I guess technically still dating in my 30s (laughs) but like yeah it's been it's been fun and crazy and overwhelming and the best year of my life learning how to be a mom to kids that I did not birth. Yeah. Like what a unique experience. But then we're on here today to talk about loss and grief. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing because so many moms go through it. You know, the statistics are unfortunately high and so many moms go through it and so many people And there used to be this old adage of like, don't share, you know, your pregnancy until a certain week or month because you may have a loss. But then uh, I remember even my mom said that to me and I I said, but then, then what mom, then I suffer and alone. Like, so what if people know it's not shameful? Like I didn't do anything. Like, it's just my body. It didn't work out. So yeah. Thank you for hopping on and sharing your story with us where where do you want to begin 
I mean, kind of where you just started. Wait, you and I actually recorded a totally different episode. Um, we you did. were one of the first people that I told. And so nice. it was, yeah, it was it was a fun episode. And I'm sad that we don't get to use it. But we even talked about when we recorded that one that I had just found out two or three weeks before we had talked yeah, last it was time. early. Yeah. And so one of the things that we had discussed was exactly what you just said. Um, Will and I talked. And as soon as we found out and we did an early sneak peek yes, that same that's week. Right. And after we did that sneak peek, he was like, okay, I'm okay with telling like my people. I had already told like a handful of my best friends and my mom and my cousins. And after we got that first sonogram, it was just a gestational sack. I was like five weeks. And so, or not, no, I was like four and a half weeks, actually. It was like teeny tiny, but they were like, everything looks fine so far. Like, go ahead and schedule your appointment. And um, we had talked and I was like, even if God forbid something happened, I don't want to hide this. I wasn't supposed to be able to get pregnant. He is on medication that should not allow him to uh, have a sperm count. And I was married for 10 years and never got pregnant. But my ex-husband and I never like took steps to figure out who the uh, issue lied with because we had so many other issues in our marriage. Uh, bringing a child into it probably wasn't a good idea. And so like Will's doctor and my doctor both were like the likelihood of you getting pregnant is very slim. You guys might want to start looking into harvesting your eggs. And I had had wow. an appointment, like a phone consult two weeks before we found out. So in the excitement of like, oh my God, I'm actually pregnant. And this actually happened. Like this is a miracle in itself. I don't want to hide this regardless. So we, we told, like I said, I had already told those people, uh, the following weekend, we went and told Will's family, like his entire family. I had made an announcement video. I like FaceTime called a bunch of people so I could record their reactions. And then everybody that we told in person, I, we recorded their reactions and that was going to be our like a big announcement, like telling everybody, not just like our close people. And when I say close, like we probably told close to like 30 people early. Yeah. And so then we were waiting until my first ultrasound to actually announce. And right. there was like a two to three week window where I, or no, I guess it was closer to a month actually. Oh, and we told my stepkids. That's like a huge piece of this too. Yeah, I want to learn more about that. Yeah. Um, we, so like when you and I talked before, the episode was planning like a pregnancy in a blended family. Yep. And so we told my stepkids the same day we told the rest of Will's family, we told them first and like gave them a gift and uh, they were all really excited. Their reaction, we, like their mom recorded uh, their reactions for us and everything. And so that like, we were still trying to fit, like navigate that part at the same time while we were waiting and like explaining to the little kids, like, you know, we, we named our baby Riley. We knew whether it was a boy or a girl, their name was going to be Riley. Um, and I love that name. Thank you. I know. I think um, I saw it on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you got the, ta- yeah. you got a tattoo. Yes, I did. Yeah. We got yeah. tattoos. Oh, I so beautiful. Well I was going to see, but oh, so um, thank you. But uh, so it was like we were going through the steps of like Riley's going to live full time with me and daddy, and you know, she's still just as much your sister. We called her she because 
like I felt deep down like I knew she was a girl and literally all six of us wanted her to be a girl so like we never officially found out mm-hmm. um before the loss or anything because I, I was really early but that's what we're just she's a girl <laughs> so she's gonna live with us but she's still just as much your siblings as everybody else is blah 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 um and so like working through adding a baby in a blended family already it was fun it was nerve-wracking um but we were all super super excited and i stumbled across a art an article um i'm trying to think of when it was i guess it was probably like the last week of july where they talked about silent or missed miscarriages and i had never heard that term before and i was like what in the heck is this and that article explains women who go through silent or miss miscarriages i'm just gonna call it a miss miscarriage from here on out but if i like interchange it that's what i mean you still have all of the symptoms i had extreme fatigue like covid on crack fatigue i was so i've never been that tired in my life i had already had to start sleeping with a body pillow in between my knees and stuff because like it almost felt like I had like a rock in the middle of my stomach like I was obviously I wasn't showing or anything like that but like I could feel like stuff like didn't feel normal yeah and so yeah I had that I had tender breasts I had nausea I had insomnia like I had everything heartburn cravings aversions like everything was still happening and then I read this article and it's like you may still have all the symptoms but you may be experiencing a miscarriage. And so as soon as I saw that, I was like, instant anxiety. I already have anxiety. I also have ADHD. And so like anything like that, I'm unmedicated at this point, obviously, because I was pregnant. And so like, I was like, oh my God. And like, I'd even told Will, I was like, I'm thinking about doing another sneak peek ultrasound just to make sure that the baby's okay. And he was like, you, we've got three weeks. Like you're fine. She's fine. Like everything's okay. There's no reason you're not spotting. You're not bleeding. Nothing. And what is, sorry to interrupt, but what is a miscarriage? You still have all of the symptoms, but your baby has passed away, but your cervix has not opened at all. So there is no spotting. There is no bleeding. There is no pain. Your body does not abort the baby like it's supposed to. I, I, versus a traditional miscarriage is unfortunately... Like when you see them, like, yeah, when you see like, and and it happens this way for some women too, you see in like TV shows, like period pieces, like Queens and stuff like miscarrying, like Mm -hmm. their, their babies that they're carrying. And it's just like an instant rush of blood and stuff like that. And while that is some women's experience, when they experience a miscarriage, a miss miscarriage, my baby died and my body still thought I was actively pregnant. Oh, okay. Thank you for clearing that up. Yeah. Sorry, I, I'm sorry. I was gonna get there, and then the ADHD's kicked in. Um, all good. So I have all of these symptoms, and so Will's like, "There's nothing wrong with you. Like you're you're fine." And so I was like, "Okay, like yeah, you're right." And then we got our hospital bills quotes in just from my OB, and like those payments alone was like, Ugh, "That's a whole different topic." Um, and so I was like, "I need to save as much money as I can for these hospital bills." So. I didn't end up getting another ultrasound. My doctor would not see me until I was 10 weeks. And so 
that weeks and it's so late actually it's usually i thought it was usually like eight or nine i'm personal friends like are not friends but like i know my doctor personally and so i texted her and she said they wouldn't schedule me until at least eight weeks i didn't get scheduled until 10 weeks and so um i think that that's pretty standard with like talking with the nurses once i got in there for my first appointments and stuff and so when we're ready to try again, I'm going to advocate for myself more, whether I have to switch doctors, which like I said, I love my OB. She's fantastic. It's just that clinic's preferences don't align with what I'm going to need. And so I'm mm-hmm. already like talking with like, um, I live in Arkansas and it's Arkansas doulas. And so I'm talking with them on like, if I hire one of you, can we do extra appointments or can you advocate to get me in sooner? or whatever we have to do. But yeah, it was 10 weeks. And so this this part's going to be really kind of triggering for some people, I think. So like, I know that you'll probably have a trigger warning, but like this part's kind of rough. We go and something in like, this sounds super dramatic, but like something in my soul knew something wasn't right. And like, I never vocalized that. I never said anything to Will about it. Um, but I like something, something new the night before I was like first day of school nervous, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like tomorrow's going to be like the happiest day. I'm going to get to see my baby and da, 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 da. Like, I was like, I like, I don't know why, but like I started like the night before, like something's not going to be right. And so, and, but like I said, I had no physical symptoms to think that. And so we go and, uh, we get in the room and, uh, tech comes in she's super nice and I put I even put this in my post on Facebook like the main things I remember like it's it's really like blurry and this was like a month it's a month ago tomorrow that we found out um there were two signs on the ceiling one of them was Garfield and they had like funny quotes on them like you can't take anything seriously what when you're naked or something like that and they're just like cute little signs on her ceiling as she's like looking and she was like um you're 10 weeks, right? And, I'm, and like, she was like, what did she say? She was like, okay, well, um, I'm going to go ahead and have you go to the bathroom for me. And then when we come back, we're going to do a vaginal ultrasound. And I looked at Will and he looked at me and like the look on his face, I was like, something's wrong. I knew, I knew it, something was going to be wrong. So I went ahead, went to the bathroom, came back and then they did the vaginal and I watched Will's face like when she started because he was watching the screen and he was a CNA and he's got four kids like he's seen sonograms before and so uh he his face is just like just like falls and I'm just waiting for her heartbeat to like come over the monitor and it didn't and she was like your sack is measuring really small um I'm gonna let Dr. Gordon look at this but I cannot find her heartbeat and I just like laid there, like no reaction at first, no nothing like, oh my God, this is actually happening to me. Like, I just figured like something was wrong, not that she had died. And so like, she like left the room and like gave us some space and like we processed and we went to see my doctor afterwards. And it was, she said that like my gestational sac was misshapen. The baby was only measuring between like six and a half and seven weeks. And I should have been 10 weeks. And I was like, she was like, you know, I'm really sorry. It, it's not like, 
even if the baby is still alive, it's probably not going to be a viable pregnancy. So like you need to prepare yourself. And I was like, what do you mean if she, like, if the baby's still alive, like, are we not positive? And she was like, well, you have a couple of options. You can go ahead and do schedule a DNC if you just want to be done. Some women just want, you know, to be done, but, but you can wait a week too and do another ultrasound. And I was like, okay, well, let me think about it. So um, talked about it, prayed about it, talked to my, my mom. Um, and we didn't tell anybody else at that point. I think I may have told, I think I may have told like, I have like a group text with like five of my friends. Uh, and I think I told them just so that like we had somebody praying for us. And we decided that night that we were going to wait and do the other ultrasound. And that week was the worst week of my life because it's like, I don't know if my baby is still alive or if I there's a dead fetus baby embryo whatever term you want to use I choose my baby inside of me and I still that entire week fatigue nausea food aversions like every single symptom like nothing had changed other than the fact that I'd had this appointment and knew that some like it something very serious was wrong so we go back for our follow-up and we have to sit in the same waiting room as all the other moms and dads. And now, ooh, this part's where I'm going to get it. That was the worst part of all of it. Because while it is the happiest days for them, it's the worst day of my life. And Will was great. He was super supportive and everything. And he, like, he was right there the whole time. And... I don't know, but if anybody that like works at a hospital or like has any pull at the hospital listens to this, like advocate for your hospital to get a separate room for parents who are facing a loss or a possible loss, because my day was already horrible. And I feel like those people are always going to, and this sounds kind of selfish too, like saying it out loud, but like, I feel like those moms and dads are going to remember for the rest of their lives when they went in for an ultrasound, there was obviously a couple there that lost their baby. And I hate the idea of tainting anybody else's experience. So that was really hard. Um, But they got us back in there. And like, I was just kind of numb at that point. And like, I knew what they were going to find. But this was just like, to reaffirm that everything was the way that it looked the week before. And it was. And so at that point, um, I had the option of going home and trying to let my body do what it should have been doing the whole time on its own or uh, scheduling a DNC or doing an at-home pill. And regardless of stance on pro-choice or pro-life or, you know, what have you, we're trying to get my body to abort my baby one way or the other, whether it's I go in for surgery or let it happen on its own or whatever. So at that point, Riley had been dead for four and a half weeks, I think. Um, And so like I asked my doctor, what are my chances of becoming septic? Because again, I had no spotting. I had no bleeding, no cramping, very, very slight backache. But other than that, nothing that indicated that she should not be in there anymore. And so she was like, I'm comfortable letting you go two more weeks. And if that doesn't happen, then you'll have to have a DNC. And which is where they go in and they remove any tissue and like basically scrape your uterus clean 
Ugh. Um, and so, uh, I was like, I can't do this for two more weeks. I, I mentally cannot do this two more weeks. I can't. So she was like, you know, we'll schedule you for the end of this week. If it happens on its own at home, before, that's fine. We can make sure that everything passes the way that it should so that you're not at risk for infection, yada, 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 whatever. So um, I had my DNC three weeks ago today, and that is probably the second worst day of my life. It was an outpatient surgery. They said st- they said that like physically I'd be able to go back to work the next day and mentally just take it easy. And moms do not get enough support. Moms in general don't get enough support. Moms of loss don't get anything. Wow. And the same thing for Will. He's not physically going through the same thing, but every other aspect, he's going through the exact same thing that I am. And they wanted, and, and thank God he's off on Fridays anyway, and my surgery was on a Thursday. He had to go back to work on Monday. I had to go back to work on Monday. And so another thing, I'm trying to like, one way I'm trying to get through this is like come up with positive things that I can like encourage people to change, like with the hospital and the separate waiting room. My company has an amazing uh, parental leave package. There's nothing for anybody that has a miscarriage. And we've got a great PTO package, but Will and I have a trip that we've already like paid for that's non-refundable, that's at the end of the year. And I need that PTO for that trip. Mm-hmm. And so I could not take short-term disability leave um, without using that PTO first. Uh, I was covered under FMLA, but it would have had to either, like I would have had to exhaust my PTO first. And so- there oh, wasn't an option. Is that how that works? Yeah. So like my company has my company has a really great parental leave package that runs concurrent with FMLA. So like they pay us while we're on FMLA. And then if we have PTO left after it, then you can use that if like you need that extra time, but you're no longer protected under FMLA. Like your spot isn't protected anymore. Um, which again, my company is fantastic and that's not really something that I had to worry about when I was still pregnant. Um, but like I said, there's nothing, there's no kind of separate bereavement for parents of loss. I may not have a baby in my arms, but I am still experiencing a lot of postpartum symptoms. Like I already have anxiety and depression that stems from ADHD, but like, this is the most, like, this is the hardest time in my life that I've ever had. Like it is physically hard to get out of bed or wash my hair or like it's still the same things that happen to other moms but my baby's not here and so my entire team at work is like prepared to like we the, our our company does these like annual benefits reviews and my entire team is like we're you know we got you we're going to put in like include some kind of bereavement leave in the parental leave package so like it's it doesn't like it doesn't matter. Like, like I said, in normal circumstances, if Will and I didn't have the strip plan, I would be on short-term disability and I wouldn't be working right now, but I don't have a choice. So anyway, that's another thing that like, I'm going to try and push for, for other parents that have to go through this. Um, but we're both back at work and it has, it's been very, very hard overall. So that's, that's the story of where we're at. Like I said, I'm three, I'm three weeks today post-op and still figuring out how to navigate stuff. Um, 
one other thing that I did want to talk about, and I, well, you may have a bunch of questions about anything that I just talked about, but like with my DNC, I did want to make sure that we discussed this, even if it's just briefly, but um, I was not given the option whenever I decided on the DNC on what I wanted to do with my daughter's remains. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. Cause I remember you mentioned briefly through text that it was a challenge. I didn't have like the night that we went home from the first scan after they told us that she was probably not like dead. Um, I texted my OB a bunch of different questions like, does me being overweight, does that add possible complications for a DNC? Um, how long is my physical recovery period going to be? Like, is that going to possibly affect my chances of getting pregnant again? Yada, yada, yada. And then one of my last questions was, what are my options in regards to getting her remains? And she was like, Typically, like since you're, you know, before, before 20 weeks, the uh, pathology will probably want to run some tests and then they'll bury her and they'll bury the remains in a cemetery somewhere. And I was like, again, I love my OB. This is nothing personal against her. I understand like she has like certain like doctor lingo she has to use in order to cover her butt. But I'm like, that's, that's my kid. Like, again, pro-choice, pro-life aside, my baby was wanted and loved and we were preparing for her and excited. That's not just a fetus to me at that point. That's my baby. I didn't lose a fetus. I lost my baby. I lost my child. I lost every birthday that she would have had. I lost every Christmas. I lost everything. And so I was like, no. Nope. Um, and I actually went back and forth for a long time on if I was going to do the DNC, if I couldn't guarantee I would get her remains, or if I was going to do the at home with the pill. And I actually, thank God, had joined a bunch of mom groups on Facebook in a pregnancy group. And I wrote a post, and this woman explained to me what actually happens during a home passing. And it's really graphic. Like, I don't, I don't know if you want to, me to go into details or. If you're comfortable, I would love that because I, I think a lot a of lot. moms, I think a lot of moms don't know. I think a lot of people yeah, don't understand. They don't understand like all of these options. Yeah, I didn't. And this was actually like the deciding factor on what I was one of the two deciding factors. Like I said, if I couldn't get her remains, I was at the point that I was willing to traumatize myself to make sure that I could get her. And so this woman explained to me that when you take the pills at home, and it's essentially the same thing that happens if your body actually aborts the baby on its own. Um, She said that she could feel she had twins that she lost and did it at home. And after she took the pill, she was like, it was incredibly painful, like comparative to like labor pains. And then she was sitting on the toilet and could feel both of her gestational sacs come out. And she could see her gestational sacs in the toilet with the embryos, like teeny tiny. Wow. And she was like, there's a ton of blood. There is tissue there is it's it is graphic and she was like I did not know 
my options. And so like my only option was to flush. And I've actually seen a meme on like some of these support pages where it's like to the, all the mamas who flushed, I see you and I'm here. Like I support you. And I can't, like, I was like, I can't, I literally cannot do that. And I actually talked with another friend of mine who had a miscarriage and she, hers was natural. And she was like, it was the same thing for me. I could feel him come out in the toilet. And she said, I literally fished my baby out of the toilet with my bare hands so that I could bury him. I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that. And like, and so like, while this whole thing feels so unfair and it is unfair, the fact that I like the fact I had a choice whether I did the DNC or I did it at home helped me a lot. Cause like I said, like mentally and emotionally is this is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. And so like, after she told me that I was like, I can't do that. I cannot do that unless it just happens naturally. And it's supposed to be that way. Like I cannot, I'm not doing the pill. And so I, I went ahead after our second ultrasound and used what would have been our announcement video as an announcement that she had passed away. And um, I had a friend of mine who works in hospice comment. And he was like, if I can support you in any way, let me know. I'm going to be looking for ways that I can support parents like you, you know, blah, 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 very sweet comment. And I immediately messaged him and I was like, you actually can't help me. What do I do? How do like, because I'm getting pushed back, like, they said that like they're going to do pathology on her after the surgery and then bury her in a cemetery somewhere. And I was like, I it's, is part of you like when they say they're going to bury her in a cemetery somewhere is part of you calling BS at this point? Like, yeah. are you like, a, I feel like that's yeah. what goes through my mind. I'm like, uh, do you just say that to make moms feel better? I, I'm pro like without I've tried it's really hard to not get political but like I'm pro-choice overall I've worked in foster care ministries and I've seen a lot of stuff and so like I am pro-choice overall I understand that in the medical profession up until a certain point my baby is considered a fetus or an embryo Mm -hmm. after they are removed from my body what's to say they're not considered medical waste at that point and that makes me feel so ill yeah and so like I'm not I like I said love my OB nothing against her at all she's a wonderful person but like I said that's what she told me and she said she thought they did and so I told Jason I was like I need her home like Mm -hmm. I have to have her with me like I can't I cannot not do this and like I found one article one where a woman talked about advocating for herself after a DNC and making sure she got that baby's remains. And she had already had two other miscarriages where she wasn't allowed to obtain the remains for some reason. I don't remember what it was, but like, she was like, it is possible at a certain point to, to make that happen. And so like Jason was like, if the hospital is giving you pushback, go through the funeral home. So uh-huh. I called Actually, he he gave me the name of one of his former coworkers who still works at a funeral home. He used to be a funeral home director. Now, like I said, he works in hospice and he gave me her name. And so I called her and she was super supportive. And she was like, I don't know why you're getting pushback from the hospital, but we used to, she said, I have, I have gone and collected remains from someone who lost their baby at five weeks. 
So before mine, like, like I said, six and a half to seven for me. And she said, I am positive. She was like, you couldn't even tell what you were looking at. And she was, she like gave me like a graphic explanation of what would happen during the cremation process for something that small. And so she was like, you couldn't even tell what you're looking at. So I don't know why they're saying it's not possible because it is, it absolutely is. And so she like told me like the list of like my local funeral homes that she knew for sure had done it. Like she had worked at that funeral home before and had done that there. So like one of them was the same funeral home that we had my grandma and my dad's services at. And so like, and my dad passed away two years ago this weekend. And so like I called them first and talked to the director that we had used for my dad. And he was like, that's absolutely something we can do. And I was like, okay, so what do I do? And he said, you advocate for yourself and you make sure you tell every single person what you want. The day of your surgery, you need to tell every single person. He was like, I need you to come inside. I had to go sign one form, took less than five minutes, um, saying that I intended for him to pick her up after my surgery. So I'm trying to make sure I don't miss anything. Oh, I did call back up to, I actually called the other hospital in my hometown and asked them if it would be easy. Like, I was like, do you, is that something y'all do? And she was like, she was like, no, like, I don't want to get too graphic. And then she explained to me how the DNC work. I'm not going to explain that. Like listeners can look that up for themselves if you know the details on that. But like, she gave me like a brief rundown. I was like, I mean, I understand that, but like, I don't want to see her. I just, I want a funeral home to be able to come and get her to have her cremated. And like my body, my choice, my kid, my choice, I want to be able to have her cremated. And she was like, well, you know, if you're getting pushed back from that hospital, you're probably going to get pushed back here too, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, whatever. Call back up to my labor and delivery department and talk to my doctor's nurse. And like, I was like, I'm going to get real with you. I cried on the phone with her. She was very sympathetic. And she was like, I'm going to figure out what we need to do to make this happen for you. And I was like, okay, well, if you don't, the funeral home is. So cool. So she had to, I guess she had to call over to outpatient because the DNC is an outpatient surgery. And she had to work with the outpatient department and she ended up calling me back. Like, I think it was like the next day and was like, we have it approved. I should still have not had to go through what I went through to make sure that I was given that option. And that is where the biggest issue of my entire experience lies. Like that should be an option that every mom knows up front. Like if you are going through a loss, you have a right to your child's remains. It does not matter. Like I think over 20 weeks by law, they have to be obtained by a funeral home. I think I could be wrong and it might, it might vary by state, but like in Arkansas after 20 weeks, I believe you have to have a funeral home involved 20 weeks again, quote unquote, medical waste. Wow. But like I said, I wasn't even given that option. If I hadn't like, just like had that thought, like what's going to happen to her if I do this, then she like, she could be in a medical waste bag somewhere, or she could be buried in some random cemetery and I never know where she actually is. And so my, she told me and John, the funeral home director told me, you tell every single person the morning of your DNC, you intend to have this funeral home collect the remains this afternoon. And I had to fill out 
So I filled out the one funeral, the form with the funeral home before, because I knew I wasn't going to want to stop after my surgery and do that. No. And so I went, yeah, I went like two days before and filled that one out. And then they ended up having an extra form that I had to fill out and then verbally give my consent to during my surgery prep. And everybody that morning was fantastic. They were all very sympathetic, very calm, talk, you know, very like, so sorry for your loss. Like, can we get you anything? Blah, blah, blah. So I guess we'll, we can come back to the rest of the cremation part later because it's, like I said, I'm not going to explain the DNC and what happens, but um, our, my mom and Will were there and they got to come in before I went in for the surgery and everything. And literally all I remember from the surgery is getting wheeled into the OR, like the outpatient surgery room. And the anesthesiologist was like, how you doing? Like, how are you feeling? And I was like, I'm good. And he goes, all right, good night. And like, in my head, I was like, good night. I don't even feel tired yet. And I'm waking up in recovery. What? Did you know you were going to be put under or no? Yeah, I knew I was going to be put under. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like you're I under no anesthesia. Yeah. I didn't know that. So wow. for medical, for medical abortions, I don't know how I did. I don't know how like a standard, like going to like a, an abortion clinic works or anything like that. While I am pro-choice, that's not something that I would ever choose for myself, like regardless of circumstance. And I know that's kind of hard to say until you're in certain circumstances, but like, unless it was medically necessary, something I would choose for myself. So I don't know how like a right, like a regular one would go, but a DNC or under general anesthesia, it is a very, very quick procedure. Um, like I said, he said, all right, good night. And then next thing I know, I'm like being backed up in recovery room and I'm just like, where the hell am I? And God love this nurse. Part of my grief that I'm like still trying to work through and I'm getting back into talk therapy tomorrow. So I'm really glad that I can actually like talk through this with a licensed therapist. But like part of my grief is like, it is, I'm glad that I talk about her and I'm glad that I talk about our experience so it can be easier and different for other moms. Sorry. Ooh. No, you're good. Um, The nurse was like, she was like, you're okay. You're in recovery. And I was like, I'm done. And she was like, yeah, can I get you anything? And I said, I just want my baby. And this woman stood like she was in like a rolly chair and she stood up and like, she is either a mom with a kid on earth or a mom that's experienced loss because the way that woman held me and she stood there and she just held me for like a solid 30, 45 seconds. Like it felt like forever. And like, I don't like the rest of like the time that I was in there is like pretty hazy. I don't really remember anything, but I remember telling her, I just want my baby. That's all I want. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so um, after I got wheeled out of uh, recovery, like I had to go sit in another room and they let Will and my mom come in. And the only requirement for me to go home was that I had to sit there. I think I was there for like an hour, I think maybe. And I had to be able to use the bathroom. Um, I had to be able to pee. Um, and I don't know what it's like to have a vaginal birth. But let me tell you, even after just a DNC, going to the bathroom is the most horrific thing and that's another thing that I still have to work through is while you're pregnant, you go to the bathroom and you always like, I don't know about you, but like I checked every single time I went to the bathroom, made sure everything looks okay. 
having to remember that your baby died every time you go to the bathroom is so painful and being scared for you know I, I wasn't released from pelvic rest for two weeks um being scared that you're gonna hemorrhage on top of losing your baby is terrifying and so that was that part was traumatic and I, we got out of there as quick as we could and came home and I had um a fairly easy recovery physically um I did just in case anybody that is going to go through a DNC hears this, like I did end up, of course it was on the weekend, um, have like major clots that I passed like four to five days after like post-op. Yeah. Um, and there's like, they send you home with all the paperwork on like what to look for and like when you actually need to go to the ER in case you hemorrhage or whatever. But, um, it was like five days post-op and I had gone a full 24 hours with nothing, like no discharge, no anything. And then here's this, like, I felt it come out and I was like, what the hell? And I'm already wearing like granny panties with like a huge pad in it just to be on the same yeah. side. And so I go in the bathroom and I scream for Will and I'm like, what it like? And he was like, you're only supposed to go if you fill up more than one pad an hour. And I was like, what's the freaking weekend? So of course I'm going to have an ER visit if we do this. And I was having some pretty bad cramping when that was happening too. And luckily I have another friend who's a midwife and uh, I messaged her on Facebook and I was like, Hey, like, this is what's happening. Is this okay? Do I need to go ahead and go? And she was like, it's normal for uh, the time frame of your recovery but if you fill up more than one pad in an hour, you, you need to go to the ER. Like, even if it's just like you are like a pad and a half in, you need to go. Luckily, everything was fine. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, I was on pelvic rest for two weeks. And otherwise, I'm just still mentally and emotionally recovering. Um, so all of that said, <laughs> do you have any questions about the actual, like, experience before we talk about the blended family part of it. Yeah, no, I think you went into really generous detail and thank you. I know it's so hard, but it is so helpful. I think for anyone who may go through this or is going through this, or even has a friend that's going through this because they understand, or at least have a closer understanding to what they're going through. Because I think we hear these terms, DNC, we hear loss, we hear miscarriage, but we don't really know what that feels like. So it's, it's refreshing to hear your take on it. It is so heavy. And I have had so many of my friends that I've known for years reach out to me and say, oh my God, you're so brave for doing that. I wish I would have been as brave as you to tell my story. And I'm like, I didn't even know you had a miscarriage. Right, right. So many women, right. It's like we're afraid to talk about and it's taboo. I did nothing wrong. No. I did nothing wrong. I don't, I, I may never know why she died. Um, with how early it was, it was probably chromosomally just not compatible and like literally nothing could have prevented it. But regardless, I did nothing wrong. The day I found out, I stopped all my meds and I found out, like I said, I found out like four weeks. So I stopped all of my prescription meds. I did not drink. I didn't do any drugs. I don't do any drugs, but like 
I immediately like intook water. I'm eating as many vegetables and fruits as I can. Like I took care, better care of myself in the 10 weeks that I was pregnant than I have in years. Right. (laughs) And so this is not my fault. And it is not like there should not be any parent, man or woman, mom or dad, who should be ashamed of having to go through this and be afraid to talk about it. And like I said, making people uncomfortable has been really hard for me. I don't want people to feel sorry for me necessarily. Like it sucks. Yeah, people are going to feel sorry for me automatically. It's just human nature. But like, I would rather make some people uncomfortable and make sure that moms that have to go through this know they have options and they can advocate for themselves and stuff still needs to change and moms of loss and moms in general that you talk about it all the time we need more support period and i think that like america as a whole is just behind on everything when it comes to supporting parents but like even in, in like my experience doesn't negate the next person's or anything like that but it's like like i said medically I felt I never felt unsafe or anything like that, but I definitely didn't feel like I was given options or like, like I said, rights for my daughter. And if the only thing that I can ever give Riley is that little bitty extra bit of dignity and being able to have her remains cremated or buried, like we had the option to like collect her from the funeral home and bury her like in our front yard, as long as it was like a certain amount away from like a waterway or something like that. Like in each state is different. Um, But like, if I can give her that dignity, I'm going to do it. And it makes me sick. The moms that I've known for ever who are, I'm friends with who I didn't even know had miscarriages. How many of them, I can think of five off the top of my head did not know that they could get their child's remains. They had no idea that it was even an option. Yeah. I didn't know either. Like, no, like, I don't, I wonder if like a lot of people don't even think about like what happens after. Yeah. It's, It's, yeah, it makes me sick. Well, nobody, yeah. And nobody wants to think about that. But like I said, in, in a pro choice country and a pro choice world, with people who have to be so careful, medical professionals and like funeral professionals and all of that, like in the death industry, they have to be so careful with how they say things at the risk of offending people. Right. But like, we still deserve to have that option. The choice. And if that, yeah. And if that option, like if you don't want to go through the pain of having to pick your child up from a funeral home, I get it. That day sucked. And the funeral home took amazing care of will and i not every funeral home will do this but our funeral home picked her up and did the cremation for free wow and she has a beautiful little gold urn i meant to bring it in here just so that i could see it if anybody like if you wanted me to hold it up but i don't have it um they did everything for free and i actually got really freaked out like they told us that we could pro- we would probably be able to pick her up the following Monday. Well, Wednesday comes around. And I haven't heard anything. And I'm like, I was not in a good space because like I said, I was, ha- I had to go back to work. Um, I was alone for the first time since everything happened that Monday. Cause Will had to go back to work. And like, my mom lives 10 minutes from us. So like, she was like on call, but I was still alone for the first time. 
and able to like sit with myself. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard. Um, and me and God, I, I yelled a lot. <laughs> um, but uh, so I called Wednesday. I was like, I just want to make sure everything was okay because like Will and I called after my surgery on Thursday just to like, or no, we called Friday morning. And we were like, I just want to make sure everything went okay. And they said, yeah, we picked her up. Like we're taking her the crematory for this funeral homes, like two towns over. And so he was like, "Um, you know, she's here right now. I'm taking her there this morning myself. I'm driving her myself. You know, everything's fine. You know, blah, blah, blah. So, but like that Wednesday I called and I was like, did something happen? And he was like, no, like, and and she's here. She's back in, in our town. And, you know, if you want to come and go ahead and pick her remains up, you're more than welcome to. However, we were waiting for something to come in for you. And I was like, like her urn, like what? And he was like, no, it's, it's a surprise. Like, I I don't want to give it away, but like, we have something else. If you want to come and get her, you're more than welcome to, we will have something else for you. We just don't know when it's going to be here. And I was like, what the heck? So, um, I don't remember how many days later it was, but he calls and he's like, Hey, you know, it's here. You're more than welcome to come up. So we go up and he gives us her urn. And like I said, it's beautiful. And he hands us this postage box and like I said, they would not tell us what it was. And like three or four other, like there were like three younger girls that came in there and then him and their secretary came in there. So like at first I was like, this is really weird. Like I kind of feel like a spectacle, like what the hell is this? Yeah. And (laughs) they had this made for us and it is a weighted teddy bear. Um, and it has Riley's name on it. And this is from a company called Molly Bears, and it was started by a mom who experienced the loss of her daughter, Molly, and it is a nonprofit organization that um, makes weighted bears for families, and you can have it if you know your baby's weight. They'll do it at like a certain weight. Mine is just generalized weight just because it, she was so small, but you can sponsor a bear um, is it cool if I like tell the details on it so that if anybody wants to donate, they can? Yeah, I think I donated to it because I think you posted you it did. on Instagram. Yeah, you did. yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh, I have yes, a please share. That's great. I have a fundraiser that's ongoing until I think the end of the month or maybe the end of October on my Instagram at Sticky Holler Farm. Um, and each bear is $45 and you can sponsor a bear um, just because you can sponsor a bear in honor of your child or you can purchase your own but the funeral home had that made for me and had it expedited which costs extra there's like a three-month wait list so like they had it expedited and had it here in less than a week like these people went above and beyond so it's like the darkest time in my life these people are essentially strangers other than the fact that like we had my dad's funeral there two years ago that's the only other reason that John would even remotely remember me and I really don't think that he did but like the fact that like they went above and beyond they didn't have to do that they didn't have to cremate her for free like Will and I fully expected to pay for regular like cremation and all of that but like there are people who will help you advocate for yourself and so like if anything comes out of like me losing my daughter it like anybody who ever has to go through this I don't care where you live like I don't it like I don't know about like internationally but like here in the U.S. 
if you need somebody to help you navigate this and help you get through this, like my DMs are open and like you'll, I know that you put like social media tags on your uh, show notes. So like, if you need something, if you need help, like message me because like, I feel so called to pay it forward that like, I will do whatever I can do to help you get through this because it, had I not talked about her, had I not advocated for myself and for my partner and for my daughter, like this would have been so much harder to have to go through. So like reach out to me. I'm happy to help. If you can't get a hold of me, go through Lena and she will get a hold of me. Like I don't care if like that we're recording this in 2023. If you hear this in 10 years from now, like find me and I will help you. So um yeah, that's pretty much it that part of it but it's just it's grief is a really strange thing to navigate for yourself and then to throw four other little kids in it too that's the other piece that I want to talk about really quick I know we're up on time but like no, it's if okay. you're good how are you on time are you okay I already told yeah no I already told them I was gonna be I was taking a long break <laughs> okay okay yeah let's talk about it I mean this is your story but also these four little kids are also part of your story. Like you, so at what point in all of this did you tell the kids and remind everyone of their ages again? They are, I have two uh, eight-year-old twin stepsons, a five-year-old stepson and a three-year-old stepdaughter. And we decided, um, we actually had met, uh, the older boys and their mom at their school for uh, their meet and greet with their teachers. Um, I think it was the Thursday or the Friday. Maybe it was the same day. No, it was the same day. No, when was it? It was the same day as our second ultrasound. We wanted to wait until we knew for sure that she was gone, obviously. Um, And so we had met her and the twins at their school um, the day of, my second ultrasound and we went ahead and told her um Abby their mom and uh Abby and Will had six miscarriages during the time frame that they were married so like she knows how this feels times a bajillion and they went through this together he's been through this six other times which that part is super, super painful for me too, because it's like dads need just as much emotional and mental support as the mom's going through. Like I said earlier, like he may not be physically going through this, but like he's going through it. Yeah. And so like the fact that he's had to go through this seven times now just absolutely breaks my heart. But so we, we like pulled her to the side after she put the kids back in the car because it was, they were going back to her house. Um, And we're like, we need to tell you something. And we're still effectively co-parenting but things have gotten a little bit rocky and so like we didn't really know how she was going to respond or anything like that but we wanted to go ahead and tell her just so that she could think about like what the best way to tell them would be we're like please don't say anything like we want to tell them but like, we want you to know this is probably going to like, this has happened. I'm having surgery Thursday. And they were supposed to come to our house on Friday. 
like the day after my DNC surgery. And so she was like, you know, whatever you guys need for this weekend, if they get there and then you guys can't handle it, or if they are super upset and want to come back to my house, like whatever I need to do, like she cleared her whole schedule for us. So like considering like we've hit like a minor and I say it's like, it's not extreme. Like I said, we're still effectively co-parenting. Like there's no hate or anything like that. But like even being in a bumpy spot, like she cleared her schedule. She was like, I don't care what time it is. If they wake up at 2 a.m. and, you know, I need to come over or whatever, like I'll do it. And like immediately like hugged me and cried with me and all of that. Like she knows exactly how this feels. And so we told her that day and Will and I, and she was like, I want you guys to decide what you want to do. Like I, you know, I'm happy to be there, um, to help like explain stuff. And, and, you know, I, uh, the two older boys, Isaac and Sutton have been through this before. Um, so I think that they're going to be okay. And I don't really think like, I don't know if Kezia will like grasp it as much, but Kezia and Tucker, my two youngest stepkids were so excited, so excited we looked like every single time they were with us, they would ask to see my phone because I had the uh, uh, pregnancy plus app where you can like yeah. see what your baby looks like. I want to see Riley. I want to see Riley. I want to play with Riley. Like I think that Kezia thought that like she was actually staying inside my belly. And so like they were super, super excited and the older boys were too. So we, Will and I talked and again, prayed about it, thought about it for a couple of days And we decided that we wanted to tell them on our own and like, just have Abby on standby. And so they came to our house on Friday and this is like I said, the day after my surgery and, um, we sat them down and we were like, you know, we have to tell you guys something and it's going to be very hard to hear. It is very sad. Um, we want you to know that like from this point on this weekend, like if me and daddy get a upset or cry it's not your fault or anything like that but and then we had done some research um looked up we both looked up stuff online and everything we saw was like don't don't try to dumb it down like or protect them like don't say things like she's asleep or she's gone like because then you know at eight years old like they're going to understand the concept of what you mean at five and three when is Riley coming back? When will I see her? Why is she asleep? Like all of those questions, like they don't understand. And while this might be their first encounter with death, like they need to like understand the finality of it. And so we explained, uh, we don't know why, but Riley got very, very sick in Katie's belly and she died and she's in heaven. Um, we're a Christian family and they, the kids go to church like every Sunday, um, and they believe in God and understand the con. I think a, an age appropriate understanding of heaven, I would say. And so, um, I of course cried. Will cried. Um, the older boys were like really quiet and didn't really say anything. Um, and Tucker was like, "But why did she get sick? Why can't you give her medicine and make her feel better? Why, you know, like just very automatically upset and uh." Kezia was the same way and she was like but she's not in your belly and I was like no I had to have surgery yesterday um to make sure that my tummy's healing and she's not she's not in my belly anymore we're not obviously we're not going to explain graphic details to them um and so uh we were just like you know we're just going to take this weekend easy 
if you guys want to talk about her, you can talk about her. We're not going to pretend like she didn't exist. Like, yeah, she's in heaven, but like, she is still your sister. Um, if you have questions, we'll answer them as best we can, you know, but don't be afraid to talk to us. And then we are like, you know, we also made sure to reiterate, if you don't feel comfortable asking us right now, that's okay. You can ask mama, you can ask Miss Debbie, which is my mom. You can ask Dee Dee or Pops, which is Abby's parents. Like, um, you can talk to your teachers, like whatever, where like any adult that you trust, you know, you can talk about her and it's, it's okay. And, um, so like the rest of that evening, I think we went through the hospital gave us like a memorial box and I have like my hospital bracelets and both of my ultrasound pictures. That's another thing. You have the right to ask for your sonogram picture, even if it is from like after the point of death. Some moms don't want that. I wanted that because the only other sonogram that I had was a gestational sac that's like this big that you can't even tell what it is. Yeah. So like I wanted that for me, but that is an option. I had to ask for it again, <laughs> but that is another thing, another big thing. Um, so like we looked at the sonograms, we looked at my hospital bracelets and all of that. That I can't remember if it was that same night or the next, I guess it was the next night. That same night after Tucker and Kezia went to bed and we had the big boys in the living room, I was like, okay, now that the little kids are asleep, do y'all have any questions? And one of them was like, nope, I'm good. Like, don't want to talk about it. And he doesn't like to get emotional, um, like ever. Like he, he has a, like, he's very guarded with his emotions in general. Um, the other one was, I don't, I don't want to name them. So that like, yeah, but, uh, the other twin was like, why did, like, why did she get sick? Like, if I get sick, am I going to die? Like, why, like, are you going to have another baby? Like, you know, like he had a bunch of different questions. What was the surgery for? Like, where is she now? And so like explaining cremation to an eight-year-old was really hard, really hard. So like, you don't want to get graphic, like they will learn what it is. But the way that we chose, and I like, I was like, hold on just a second. Like when he asked, I was like, hang on just a second. So I like got on my phone. I was like, I got to look at something really quick and got on my phone and was like, how do you explain cremation at an age appropriate age? And I like flashed it over to Will and he was like, yeah, that's fine. And so we explained it as they took her body to a special place called a crematory and they go through a process where like her body becomes what looks like sand. And then, you know, we, we get her, we'll get her back in a little jar that's called an urn. Um, and we don't know what we're going to do with that, with that substance at that point. We may bury her. We may take her on our trip with us and like scatter in the ocean. Like, we don't know what we're going to do. We might have a piece of jewelry made. And the one that was asking me, I saw the question. She goes, he goes, you're going to turn Riley into a piece of jewelry. And I was like, okay, well, when you say it like that, it sounds real weird. <laughs> but like, we were like, well, that's just something that we're going to decide together what we do, but we'll always have like a little bit in the urn. Like there will be some in the urn. So like you, you can, you know, you can hold the urn in your hand if you want to, once we hadn't gotten her back at that point. And so like that part was really hard to like to navigate to. But uh, he seemed to accept all those answers. And we reiterated again, 
you guys are welcome to ask questions. You're welcome to talk about her. If you don't feel comfortable talking to me and daddy right now, you can talk to your teachers. Even like we messaged their homeroom teachers ourselves and told them what was going on. And we're just like, you know, if they seem like they're struggling, please let us know. And thank God all three of the school age boys have been fine. The next night was really, really hard. And I'll make this part as short as I can. But uh, that whole next day, Tucker and Kezia just wanted to talk about her constantly. Uh, and that's, it's understandable. And like, yeah, I, but, and I feel like while I'm not mentally and emotionally okay, being able to talk about her more and celebrate that she existed with her siblings like helped a little bit at the end of the weekend we were exhausted like absolutely beyond exhausted um and it was a lot of the I mean it's toddler age questions like where's Riley is Riley's in heaven Riley died she got sick over and over and over Mm -hmm. and because their little brains are trying to process right Yeah. yeah yeah and my mom came over and Kezia uh, to paint Kezia's nails and distract her a little bit because she was like said having a really hard time throughout the day and she asked my mom the same questions and I was like mom if you can't handle this I need you to leave but she did great um and because like Riley's my mom's only grand like biological grandkid so she's having my stepdaughter sit in her lap asking about the only grandkid that she may ever have right is hard um but she did great um that night she we went for a couple hours without any questions and then I don't know she's sitting Kezia's sitting in my lap and we're like watching a movie before the little kids go to bed and she just starts like sniffling and I like leaned up and looked at her and she's crying and I was like are you okay and she was like she was like I just want my little or or, or what'd she say I just want my Riley and I said I know baby I do too and she go and she like starts like crying, crying. And I was like, Kezi, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she goes, this is a three-year-old. I'm not a big sister anymore. Mm. And I was like, yes, you are. You will always be her big sister. And one of the twins was like, no, she's not. Riley died. <sighs> and that was like a gut punch, like just, ugh. And so... Will and I like looked at each other and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. And so I was like, you guys, Riley may have died. She might live in heaven. We're not going to see her for a very, very long time. We hope like, you know, we want to live long lives here, but she is still your sister. Just like your other siblings that live in heaven are still your siblings. And I, and, and he was like, but they're dead. And I was but just because they're dead doesn't mean that they didn't exist. And I was like, you know how my dad is dead? And he was like, yeah. And I said, he's still my dad. He lives mm-hmm. in heaven. So he's still my dad. He, you know, I'm not going to see him for a long time, but my dad is still my dad. Does that make sense? And I was like, the, for the first time in two years, thankful that I, like my dad's in heaven and I had like a way to relate that to something else, like, which is a really weird thing to say, but it's like, it made sense. And he was like, oh, okay. And so like, I was, I was like, no, because you're still a big sister. Like Riley will always be your little sister. You will always be her big sister, blah, blah, blah. Just reiterate over and over again. And that night, like, uh, like an hour or so later, it's time for them to go to bed. And she starts crying again. And she usually, she's hit or miss with if she goes to bed without tears because she wants to stay up because she knows her big brothers get to. 
but that line it was she was like really quiet crying and normally it's like a huge production when she does it and I was like are you okay and she was like I just want my Riley I just want my baby sister and so like I like laid in the floor next to her bed like she's in a toddler bed I like laid in the floor next to her bed for like an hour until she finally fell asleep so like she at like we checked in with Abby um after they went back to her house and she was like, I'm shocked at how hard Kezia is taking this. Like, I'm floored. She was like, the boys on each of their levels, like, I'm, are kind of like on track with how we expected it to go. But like, Kezia is bad. And so we ended up, uh, she ended up checking in with the big boys therapist because she was like, I don't know what else to do. Like the big, like the big boys are fine, but like, can you give me any kind of like, what can I do for Kezia? And even though she's not your patient and their therapist was like, for the big boys, I'm planning on if they want to talk about her, I'm going to have them draw pictures for her. And so that might be something that you might do with Tucker and Kezia too. And so Abby was like, why don't y'all get those protective sheet covers and like a little like three ring binder and let them draw pictures anytime they want to for Riley. And I love that idea. So that's another way we're letting the kids honor her mm-hmm. is anytime they ever want to draw her anything. I've got like five pictures right now. Anytime they ever want to draw anything for her, it's going into a protective sheet. And so they can go back and look at it. And we have something else that we can hold in our hands for her. So if you have little kids, whether it's a blended family or just, you know, regular, you know, you, that's, that's seems like it's been a helpful way for them to be able to process it and mm-hmm. be involved. And cause like the only other thing that we have for the kids to be like involved with is, uh, we got like some of my family members sent us a bouquet of flowers and we like dried press those flowers and the kids are going to help us arrange it like in a picture frame so that we can hang it up in their Riley's flowers. So it's, Helping them process their grief while we're processing our own grief has been a just like whirlwind and hazy and just, it's, I mean, it's uncharted waters. You don't ever want to have to anticipate doing this, but yeah, so it's, it's been a lot, but we have a really good support system. And like I said, I understand people's choices of not talking about it, but that's, that's not where I'm at. I, I got to talk about her. So Thank you for letting me come on here and share my story. And even though it's fresh and it's raw, it like this, this helps a lot. Yeah, of course. And I love that picture idea. I feel like that's even something like as an adult, that's like a very therapeutic. What are some things that you've been doing to sort of help your own grief? It sounds like giving back and serving others have been like pretty, like that's what I'm feeling from you. I'm also seeing like, talking about her are there any things that you do on your own like journaling or like that help you I bought a pregnancy journal that I was obviously writing in beforehand and I've written in that a couple of times but that has been really hard to like flip back through that wrote like not a goodbye message but like I think it was the morning of my DNC maybe was the last time I wrote in it um I also, uh, anytime I have a thought, I have a note in my phone and I might like jot it down. So if it's something that like, I want to like write more about later or something, like if I wonder like 
what she would have done for a living or what color her eyes would have been or like, you know, would what kind of music would she have wanted to listen to? Just random stuff like that. So like I've got a note in my phone and one of the weirder things that I've done, um, Will goes to work super, super early in the mornings. Like he leaves our house at, you know, 4.30 most days. Um, and I get up and make his lunch for him and uh like get his coffee ready and stuff like that and then I go back to bed because I don't have to be like clocked in I work from, again I work from home until um eight and I do like farm chores and stuff before that but that's irrelevant but um after we got her remains back I will go and get her urn down and set her on my nightstand <laughs> like I said I know that sounds weird but it I don't know why it just makes me feel better that like if he's not here, like I, I can protect her in a way that sounds really weird verbalizing it, but no, it's like it's having comforting. her. Yeah. It's having her closer to where I am in the house, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then the Molly bear has been like shockingly helpful. Cause like, like I said before, when I like she's weighted and just generalized anxiety, like having some kind of weighted mm-hmm. and like the idea of this is having something to hold on to. So like having something to hold when I can't hold my baby is like, it's a weird kind of comfort. So um, they have to listen to my body very, very carefully, especially during the two weeks that I was on uh, pelvic rest. But like I said, I'm fairly healed now. And just if I feel like I said, I, I technically can't afford the talk therapy right now because these hospital bills and I have good insurance. Oh my God. Um, it's a lot. Yeah. And so, but like, I have to do the talk therapy for myself. So I'm getting back into talk therapy. I am making sure I'm back on all of my medications and paying attention to my mental health. Um, Will has been amazingly supportive. All of our family and friends have, we also took the kids, uh, one of my friends, one of my friends came, like she lives two and a half hours away from us. She brought her son down the day after we told the kids just as like a distraction and a play date. And then she like came to just like sit with us. And that's like the three of us literally just sat (laughs) and watched TV, like didn't talk hardly at all. Um, and then we took them up there last weekend to go do something fun. Cause we wanted, like, we're not going to sit in the house and just be sad. Mm -hmm. Like while that's okay for a day or two, it's not okay to just sit in our grief and we are not going to forget about her. We're not going to ignore the fact that she existed, but we also have to move on and incorporate her into our lives in a different way than we anticipated. And so just like getting back in our normal routine with them, but they still like, still are asking questions consistently. And like I said, their teachers are like, they talked about it a little, but like they're doing okay. So yeah, just listening to our bodies and making sure we feel supported. Both of us has been key to being able to function at the capacity that we're able to function at right now. Yeah. Katie, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Like I know that it's going to help moms out there that are going through it, have gone through it and still are trying to make sense of it because I'm sure I feel like sometimes I hate that quote, like time heals because I don't know if I necessarily agree with that quote at all. Yeah. I, every time I hear time heals all wounds, I'm like, I don't know about that. 
I think that's just something people say, but I don't think it's true. Like my, my mom had a loss in between, I think before, no, before me. And this was more than 30 years ago. My mom still cries about it. Like she still is in tears, heartbroken. Actually today, even we were talking about like number of kids. Some people have, you know, two kids, three kids, four kids. She's like, I always wanted three. And then she like got teary because she remembered her first, like it's, Oh, that is something too, that I would encourage your mom. Like, and she has to work through it, how she has to work. If she, even with it being 30 years later, like if she doesn't feel like she's okay saying I have three kids, two are like two are side and one in heaven. Like I changed my bio on all of my social media to say mom of an angel and bonus mom of four. Yeah. So like everybody has to process differently, but I completely agree. Like in there, I also want to like super, super quick, knowing how to respond to somebody that's going through grief is very, very tricky. And even when I lost my dad, like when people would tell me like, oh, be strong. I don't want to be strong. I don't have to be strong. Don't say that. Like, I know like the good intentions are rooted there, but like, this is not something that I have to be strong through. Like I, I don't have to. And time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. I'm going to yeah. miss her. Like I, I said, I hate I, that. Yeah. Yeah. I have yeah. to miss her until the day that I die. Yeah. And well, I can't, there's a couple other ones too, but it's like, if, if you know somebody that's facing loss and like you want to reach out, I encourage you to like, even like do a quick Google search. Like, like I said, Will and I had to do quick Google searches on how to explain things. But like Google search what not to say to somebody going through whatever kind of grief or loss that they're experiencing, because there are some good lists out there, like God had a reason or God needed an angel more than you need. No, God did not need an angel Mm. more than I need my baby. No, absolutely not. I've always, that's another one that made me like, always has made me feel like, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know about that one. No, no. Like I said, I'm a Christian highest being in the world and the universe. Like, no, he did not need my baby more than I needed her. That's not comforting at all. So like use caution with how you talk, like be there for them. I'm not saying like, don't say nothing. Like I, I still have people I've had like two people reach out today just to check on me. And like I said, we're a month out at this point from finding out. And so like reach out to your people, but like, just be very, very mindful of how you do it and what you say. Yeah. And I like that. Just Google what not to say. It's like, it's a good start. Or even just like a simple, like, Hey, I love you. Like, I don't know if you don't know what to say, just even just extending. I have one from my friend Haley that I haven't responded back to. And she just said, all she said was, Hey, just wanted to tell you, I'm still thinking about you. How are you? That's it. That's fantastic. Like, yeah, it's just meaningful. It's like a virtual hug. Like, (laughs) yeah, I wish I could actually hug you. I cried so, cried so much during this. Like, I just, I just want to, I'm just, oh, this is me hugging you. Like how I know (laughs) not corny, cringy. I am. I'm like, shut up. Oh, no, I appreciate. And like I said, I appreciate you letting me talk. I know it's probably hard for you being like being pregnant too and having to hear about this. And like, it's just a tough topic in general. So I really do appreciate like the sensitivity, like you've reached out to me multiple times since like you found out too, just to check on me and like letting me like jump on here and just tell my story. So thank you for supporting me in this too. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's actually like, I'm, I'm okay. I feel like because I hear a lot of people's stories, like a lot of some people, I don't know, like some people are like, Oh, I don't want to share my horrible birth story with you. You're pregnant. I'm like, "Mm, but, but it's fine. (laughs) But actually, but actually, no, I think it's so important. That's what I think. I I think it's, I feel like as a society, and then I'll let you go. Sorry. As a society, I feel like it'd be nice if people got comfortable with the uncomfortable, like talking about loss, talking about grief, talking about the hard stuff. There's just nothing wrong with it. It's like not bad to feel, not that it's not bad to feel bad. You know what I'm talking about? Like these aren't, I don't know, these are uncomfortable feelings, but maybe if we feel it a little bit more, like people will have more empathy towards each other and compassion and I don't know. You know, I feel like it's a whole other episode. Yeah, I agree completely. And it's like, like ending on that point too. It's like, if if we made this less taboo, we made parents experiencing loss, moms and dads, like I said, somebody might not agree with the concept of that I'm a mom. But again, I my body went through the exact same things that other moms' bodies go through. I consider myself a mom. And same thing with Will, like our baby name may not be in his arms. He's still a dad. He still fathered that child. What, whatever age they are, gestational age they are, that, that person existed. And if we normalize talking about the hard stuff, it might make it easier for people who don't agree with the fact that like I consider myself a mom at this point to understand where we're coming from. Yeah. So. And I think sometimes it's just that they haven't thought about or they haven't heard it from your perspective of like why you feel like a mom. Like, I agree. I think also you became a mom the day you got pregnant. That's my person. That's my personal belief, because also like, I don't know, your mind also goes through the entire life cycle when you become a mom. Like you imagine, like you mentioned in the episode, you imagine all these things like what's her what are what are her eyes going to look like? What is she going to want to do for a profession? Like your mind goes there. You don't have those thoughts unless you're a mom. Thank you. I love you. Thank you so love much. You. And anytime you want to hop on and give, give an update, talk about things like podcast doors is always open. For sure. For sure. Take care. And you better give that baby girl and Archie lots of extra hugs and kisses for me. Lots of extra hugs. I will. And everyone All listening, right. I will put uh, Katie's info in the show notes. Reach out to us. We would love to support you. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the New Mamas podcast. This podcast was created to help first-time moms everywhere navigate this new stage of life and talk about the honest and the raw moments in motherhood. I'm your host, Lena Forrestal. I'm a working mom by day and a blogger, photographer, and podcaster by mid-afternoon. And as a first-time mom myself, I'm on this journey with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. You can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Stay in touch by following us on Instagram at newmamaspodcast and Lena Forrestal. Thanks again and stay tuned next week for the next episode. Bye.